Every time we worship, we continue the story. We continue the story. We tell the story every time we worship together. You see, in the Psalms, this is what they call a psalm of ascent. It's a section, a collection of the Psalms where pilgrims would sing these certain songs as they would make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Now, the Bible invited people in in those days, back in those days, to make three pilgrimages a year to the city of Jerusalem to go to their main center, to the house of the Lord, to the temple to worship. And so, when we come to, to worship ourselves, like in the church or, you know, as you're watching online, when we have that time set aside, you know, there's something that we, we do. We, we are going to sing songs. We're going to you know, listen to something. You know, there, there's kind of this rhythm to our normal everyday weekly worship life. And there's a rhythm within our lives in this thing called worship. It's connected to who we are. And the the most powerful thing about worship is simply this, is that with this rhythm of our lives is a response because worship is about what we will do and what we will give. It is our response to God who has already done something. And so sometimes when we come to worship or I I don't know if you've ever felt this way, you want to come to receive. And and that's certainly true that we we do receive comfort and encouragement, uh, a stirring of our faith or whatever you might be seeking today. We are called to seek. But the truth of our worship is that we respond. We do something. We act or react to the great action of God. And so I wanted to, to think about these pilgrims that are on their way to Jerusalem. And so they would do it three times a year. And that's why they said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. There's a gladness within this pilgrim song. And, you know, I don't know, as you woke up today, if there was a, a gladness that just stirred with you, if you have a teenager or something, you're like, come on, let's wake up and go. And they were like, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you woke me up to do this. No, yeah, there's a part of us that we need to remember the gladness or the joy that comes when we as God's people get to worship together. So... I think looking at these three festivals will help us for a moment understand why they would have been glad. You see, when we just view worship as we're we're coming to get something, I don't know if we'll understand the gladness. If we come to worship knowing that we've come to give or to respond, I think joy happens in a much different way. So these were the three festivals. The first one I want to look at real quickly with you is called the Feast of Weeks. Right? And so this is what we would know within our Christian tradition as the season of Pentecost. You can read about this in the New Testament book of Acts, particularly in the second chapter. And the way that they would say it in Hebrew is Shavuot. And I hope I'm saying that right, but it's pretty close. And so it was the festival, as you remember in Acts chapter 2, where all the pilgrims from all these different areas, you know, if you were able to, you were going to try and make it to Jerusalem for this feast. And with all great, you know, traditions and worship life rituals, there's food, right? And there's going to be a big party. Isn't that kind of what we have within the rhythm of our lives? We have holidays, we have rituals, we have feasts that we connect to our worship life, where we, whether it's giving thanks or celebrating, you know, the food's an important part of the, the festival, right? So they're gathered there from all these different regions. And what happens is when they've come to make that pilgrimage, the spirit comes, Now, what they would have gathered there for is they would have celebrated that they were a people. You see, all of these feasts are about a provisional thing of God. 
And what God did in what they called the Feast of Weeks was provide the Torah, the instruction, the law. And that was a defining thing for them. You know, they knew who they were because God said, you should live in this way. The law is very important for those that are in Judaism. Now, what we understand in our tradition is that the law is not enough. And in fact, the law is not just something that we look at and we follow on the page. There is an indeed what we call the spirit of the law. So what the law was trying to do would have never been enough for us, but the spirit of the law was to reveal who God is and who we are as God's people. But what happens in our tradition as Christians is that as the pilgrims gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate who they are in the giving of the law, the Spirit comes and says, now the law won't be on a piece of paper that you follow. It won't be on a stone tablet that you will carry around with you through the wilderness. The law is going to be on your hearts. The Spirit is given to these pilgrims from all over the place over here and over there, and they all heard it within the same language. That is what brought them together. Remember, the pilgrims would pray for unification of Jerusalem, for the unity of the temple. And here you got all these pilgrims from all over, the north, south, east, and west, speaking in different languages, yet now with the Spirit comes a common language that the law will be on their hearts, that the common language of love, the law will guide them now as God's people. So that's the Feast of Weeks. Okay, then there's a second one called the Feast of Booths, which is also pronounced as Sukkot. So this is, again, connected to food, connected to the harvest, but also it remembers a time when they were out in the wilderness and God provided for them. Again, remember, worship is about a response, and we respond because God does something. And you'll see in all these major biblically manded pilgrimages God did something. God provided. Not just provided who they are, but provided for them in their need. Now, obviously, I'm giving you the very small, because it's snowing and we don't have all the time in the world, just a little brief understanding. These festivals are are much bigger than what I can make them be, right, than just in in a couple minutes to explain. But I want to show you real quick, just again, the reminder of if you can understand that God provides for you when you are in a wilderness experience, when you don't necessarily have a roof over your head, And so what they would do is they would remember, they would celebrate these things, and they would often create little tents to remind them that we once were a people without a home. We once were a people who were in the wilderness. And that may not be a literal wilderness for you. It could be a spiritual wilderness. So how will our worship change when we remember that God provides even in the midst of our wildernesses? So that is what they called the Feast of Booths. And the pilgrims would go up to Jerusalem And on the way, they would remember and they would sing these songs. They would tell these stories. They would remember who they are as God's people. Because every time we worship, we continue the story. We continue the story about how we are God's people and we respond to God's provision. How God provides who we are and names who we are, identifies who we are as his children. And how God provides for us in the moments of our weakness, his strength is perfected in us. In the moments of our pain and wilderness experiences, God is a comfort and a peace for us. That's why we can be glad when we go to remember who we are as God's pilgrims, people on a journey. Let's go and let's worship and let's tell the story of who we are, that God provides, names us as who we are, and yet also provides in our wilderness experiences. And this final one, this is probably one that you're familiar with today as we come to the Lord's table. If you're worshiping online with us, friends, I would encourage you, this is a good time to grab a 
piece of bread or a cracker, some water and some juice, because we're going to come to a table of grace in just a moment, and we want for you to join us. So you understand that this third biblically mandated festival for pilgrims to journey to was what they called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or Passover, what they call Pesach. So this was right something that we see Jesus interacting with a lot. We know Jesus had about three years of public ministry in the New Testament, in the gospel stories. Why do we know this? It's because he'd gone to this feast three times. That's how we know. This was an important thing. Hey, we got to go to Jerusalem to celebrate this thing. And what would they celebrate when they tell this story? The story is the story of the Exodus, the story of the Passover, about how God is a God of deliverance, a God of redemption. And they would say, as they would celebrate this meal, we once were slaves, but now we're free. We once were slaves, but now we're free. That's the story that they would tell. And the reality is that as history will unfold, there's this interesting challenge of how even in Jesus' day, were they free? Imagine Jesus saying that to his disciples. We once were slaves, but now we're free. And I can imagine Simon the Zealot saying, no, we're not. You know, we still got these Roman guards looking over our shoulder every other moment. You know, there's this tension of how we as God's people live within the freedom of God, yet also we must find that true freedom that Jesus will offer. And in every single one, Jesus is going to name who he is in the midst of these things. Right? We know that God is going to, you know, he says, I'm going to send my spirit. You know, I, the, the comforter will come to you to lead you into all truth. Or when he would talk about in that feast of booths, on the last day of that feast, they would read the verse from Zechariah about how water would flow from the center of the temple and it'd go to all the regions. And Jesus stood up and said, I'm now that living water. And now he, what he does here in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, as you know, is that he'd talk about who we are called to be as God's people now, yet when he would take the bread, it's not just the bread. It's going to be a sign the outward and visible thing to point to in an invisible inside mystery of Jesus' presence and grace with us even now in this moment. So, as a pilgrim today on a journey, as you worship, you continue to tell the story. Yet now the story's a little bit different for us. We get to tell who we are, how God provides for us, and how God redeems us. Because on the night of which Jesus gave himself for us, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And do this in remembrance of me. And when supper was over, he took the cup, the cup of redemption, actually, and he blessed it, and he shared it with his disciples, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. When you drink this, remember me. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of now how we are part of this story, of how you invite us into freedom that can only be found by your grace. Lord, come. Holy Spirit, come. And place into our hearts the very gift of your life. Pour out your spirit on us gathered here, those that are worshiping with us online, 
on the gifts of bread and juice to make them be for us the very body and blood of Christ so that we may be the body of Christ, your people who are redeemed by your blood, who are set free to live by your spirit. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry. Until that day when you come and we will feast at a heavenly banquet table. So we worship you today. We give you our attention. We give you our affection. We draw close to you for you always draw close to us. We desire to continue to tell the story that in our worship we name who we are because you have done something. Yes, it's been you've promised us your life. You've given us your very spirit. And you've provided for us all along the way in our wilderness moments. And even now you give us redemption and life. We tell the story. We respond because you've done something. Lord, do something again in our hearts as we come to a table of grace and all of God's people can say, amen.